what's up guys it's noel here back with another episode of the record spinner podcast episode number 22 i can't believe i've made it to episode 22 it's really an honor honestly so uh, i have to give you all a round of applause i have to give myself a round of applause here for getting to episode 22 and and doing so and still having still having a lot of excitement behind this project um it's not gained a lot of traction and again i've 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 told everyone about how you know i'm being very patient with this project because it's 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 a lot of different things um and it's a lot of different things that aren't really already popular on their own so i don't i don't foresee this becoming some like some big thing it's just a thing it's kind of like an extension of my journal if you will um so so i'm really happy with all of the feedback and the engagement um all of the the kind words the questions all of that stuff i really want you guys to com- continue that and you can do so in a number of ways but the main ways that i'm pushing right now is of course share this podcast with friends family anyone who cares about music as a mu- music enthusiast, a beginning collector, anything like that, I, I want them to to share in this experience uh, because I-, I feel like I drop a lot of of um, of information around, especially with the getting tech segment that's relatively new. Uh, but I got a good one today as well. But I drop a lot of information around things that I kind of wish I would have known when I first got into digging. So. Um, if you have friends who are into this stuff, please, please, please share the podcast with them. Let them know that I am here. Uh, I'm not as um, patronizing or as critical as a lot in the community of, of vinyl. Um, I'm a little bit, I like to consider myself still a, a novice when it comes to this stuff. I'm, I'm nowhere near an expert. I was listening actually. And I'll get into to this later, but I was listening to some chatter on, on one of the forums that I'm a part of on on Facebook, and I was just like, man, I am I am nowhere near as intense about this as as these guys. Um, but but as I was saying, share the podcast with them, like the podcast if you can on any of uh, the platforms you listen to the podcast on. Um, of course, of course, follow the podcast if you're able to. Um, and, and you can follow me on social media as well, which, you know, that's the most obvious way to get in touch at this point. Uh, the forum is the second most obvious way. And of course, um, with there being so many like, uh, podcast platforms out in the world, um, it's kind of hard for me to keep tabs on all of them on the back end, especially, um, there needs to be like a, some type of like all encompassing, uh, stat base for podcasts but you know the closest thing to that is like apple or google or spotify so whatever anyway like share rate if you can um and of course follow the podcast and follow me on social media you can follow me on social media at rebirth of the cool that's all one word of course spelled out as it sounds rebirth of the cool of course email me questions concerns comments complaints all that good stuff um i had a had a young lady just email me hi um last week which is awesome um so yeah feel free to do that as well um i said hi back don't worry uh but yeah just email me at the record spinner podcast at gmail.com 
And of course, the website, like I mentioned, is therecordspinner.com. Back to what I was saying, though. So uh, the group, the, there are several groups. I'm in uh, vinyl lovers, vinyl jazz lovers. Uh, I'm in a few different other uh, groups around, uh, revolved around uh, Madlib and, and producers who, who heavily sample and, and use jazz. Uh, but in all these groups, kind of the the culture of the group is extremely, uh, I, I don't want to say snooty. I hate to use, I always use that word, I feel like. It's snobbish, though, for sure. And what I mean by that is one of the questions that were raised in uh, in one of the forums was was very troubling to me. It was uh, the guy, a, a guy was asking what type of turntable he should get for his daughter. She's a beginning collector and uh, she's really into that life. And she, he just wants to get like his, I guess, I think she was like 15 or 16 year old daughter, um, a turntable that would, that would suffice for, for, you know, her lifestyle. Right. And, and all these guys come in with like all of these recommendations about, you know, you gotta jump past the Crosley stuff. You gotta jump past the, the audio technica stuff, which is weird because I'm at the auto audio technica phase right now. And I have well over 500 records. Um, and I'm at the Audio Technica phase. I have an Audio Technica AT, uh, what is it, an ATLP60 or something like that. And I mean, this does me just fine. I play records a lot on it. Of course, I've had to change the belt, I've had to change the needle. But this record player, this turntable does me just fine. I'm not a DJ. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have a sifter walking around my apartment or my, my house um, with a cigar rolled and I need a, a custom made U-turn or, or U-turn table or what the hell ever those turntables are or techniques or anything like that. Audio Technica, honestly, that's my recommendation. It's super, super, the sound quality is super great on it. Um, I, I, as a half of an audiophile, like I always like the joke, I think it serves the purpose for sure. Uh, but these guys were just, just ragging other people who were suggesting little things like Crosley and, 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 you know, the, what is it? The, um, I mentioned it on another episode, but, but like the basic turntables, they were just ragging on these. And I'm like, no, like the basic turntables, the, the record players, they actually work just fine. Um, these things, uh, they divide the community. Um, a lot of people, I've seen a lot of back and forth about this in groups and in forums that I'm in. Uh, but obviously you want the best sound quality. Obviously you want something that sounds as similar as you being into the studio or you being in concert with the musicians or with the artists that you listen to. You want something that literally fills the room with happiness. And all you have to do for that, I think, is the LP60. I think the LP60 is a perfect turntable. Some people may disagree and say you don't get into real turntables until you get into the LP120. Okay, whatever, bro. I get it. Sure. You really, really like the sound quality. I totally understand. I don't think an LP60, I don't think even a Crosley, I've, I've, I've told this story myself. I've had turntables that, or not even turntables, record players. I started with like a, uh, one of those Crosley like it wasn't a Crosley, but it was like Crosley like um, record players all in one uh, had a, a, a tape deck, a CD player. Um, it, it was great. And the sound quality on it was awesome. Um, and, and there's lots of debates around will the will the needles ruin your records or 
or stuff like that those things are very based on who you talk to now if you talk to an audiophile or serious audiophile they'll tell you yes these record players ruin records and they don't give you the best sound quality okay but if you talk to people who are just into into casual digging or casual collecting or casual listening these people will tell you the exact opposite so it's weird so just to go all the way back to the plug of course is i think i like the i want to think of myself as the middle the middle ground on this stuff especially the listening quality stuff i'm not super intense about it it does matter it really does matter it's a huge difference than listening to it digitally in my opinion but i'm not a i'm not a scrooge when it comes to what type of turntable you're using turntable versus a record player belt drive versus direct drive all that stuff those are semantics man those are really semantics because when you get into the turntable outside of the crosleys the stuff that needs without the built-in speakers it really determines what type of speakers you have what type of setup around the turntable you have i have a sony uh i have a sony receiver that really is super powerful machine and i think it actually runs the gamut of producing amazing sound for my speakers from the turntable i think it does the job so i'm um, sorry to kind of get into that weird back and forth that is not the tech fact the vinyl tech fact of the day um because that's not a fact right that's like something that i can bring on an audio file for and we can actually have a healthy debate about maybe something something to that degree so you may see an episode like that in the future but i am going to go ahead and move into the updates because there are lots of updates before i get into uh the show the show is titled an honorable trend it's me noting a really cool trend around the independent black jazz labels that i don't really understand why it's happening uh, i'm going to take some guesses of course at it on this show but also on top of taking some guesses at it i, I also want to urge any of the uh, new or beginning black jazz collectors who are black especially um, to get your hands on some of these things because they will be outpriced in the near future once someone corners the market on all these reissues so first update is i will be screening um the documentary digging for weldon irvine i'm really excited about this i've talked about this on um, on a few different episodes talked about how uh, i'm super um, excited about this documentary documentary coming out uh, i kind of questioned in that weldon irvine show if the documentary was ever going to see the light of day of course as the universe typically does it answered my question very soon after um, i bought a ticket to the screening of the documentary it's being done by the new york african film festival so that's awesome i think we have an african film festival here in dc um, i didn't want to wait uh, for the african film festival of dc to to take place so um i just found this and i was just like yeah let's do it let's go let's let's go see it and so i'm obviously going to be in my living room because it's corona you know <laughs> so i'm going to be watching it in my living room but uh i will definitely report back if i like it if i don't like it if i recommend it don't recommend it etc etc I'm really excited for this though i can't see myself walking away from this not liking it again the director and creator of this documentary is a brother by the name of victorious da costa 
and I mentioned him on that Weldon Irvine show. So I'm super excited for what the brothers put together. I've been watching interviews with this guy. Um, he seems to really understand and and he has gotten buried into um, the Weldon Irvine rabbit hole, uh, if I can say that. Um, and yeah, I think that um, that he's going to he's this is going to be an amazing project. It might might even put him on the map. Who knows? So we'll see. Um, and not so great news, of course. Um, you may have already heard before uh, you've listened to the podcast. But um, rest in peace to the pianist, composer, um, band leader, Czech Korea. Czech Korea is um, or was an amazing pianist. Uh, worked with everybody, who, the who's who of jazz. He, he's worked with uh, from Miles Davis uh, to guys like Lenny White. Um, to guys like Stanley Clark, it's, which, you know, they had a group together, Return to Forever, which is one of my favorite uh, rock jazz fusion groups, which I, I really don't dabble into that too much. Uh, but I think their group, because of uh, Stanley Clark's, Clark's bass playing, um, was one of my favorite of all time. So shout outs to, to all of who, who knew him, who loved him, who valued his life um, and peace to you guys' heart as you deal with this loss um i'm unaware of how old he was he was older of course he's in that you know that he's in that category that group of uh of amazing musicians um that are getting older now man like herbie hancock and uh, i think ahmed jamal is also still with us so you know the the these guys are the last of the cowboys you know these are the last cowboys here so you know we we have to pay homage to these men uh and women um while they're still here, Bobby Humphrey, you know, she's still with us, I believe. Um, these are the last of the Mohicans, if, if you will. You know, these are these are our last last giants, you know. So um, peace to to check Korea. Um, my, my favorite project probably is Light as a Feather. That's 1973. That's from Return to Forever. Uh, that's actually my introduction to the group. And I think one of my introductions into the rock jazz fusion, I think the other one was, of course, Bitches Brew by Miles Davis. So, so yeah, the last update actually is, is one that I kind of want to gloss over. I don't really want to talk about it too much because it's one of those things that can, I can kind of get derailed off the whole show with. But uh, Fela Kuti, um, a notable, a very notable um, Nigerian artist who is probably single-handedly responsible for afro beats and uh, a lot of african folk music um uh, he will be inducted into the uh, rock and roll hall of fame and I, I said what i said at the beginning because you know a, a man of kuti's stature doesn't really need the rock and roll hall of fame at this point that is kind of a sad note that is kind of a a, a moot point if you will if there was ever a definition of a moot point this is one of those definitions. Kuti is well-renowned um, through white audiences and black audiences, known for um, his contributions to music, to the world, and music to his country and to the continent of Africa and to the black diaspora as well. I mean, we know, f we know fella. So uh, we've always respected, we've always admired, we've always cherished his music i have quite a few um fellow records in my collection uh, they get tons of spins um and and this is something that i think 
just seeing, just observing with the naked eye, I don't see uh, Fella not get credit for his contributions to music. This is something I just don't see. So, yeah, it's good for for the family to get this notoriety, to get their ancestor into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I guess, if that's what they want or if that's what they value. But please do know that here at the Record Spinner Podcast, we think that uh, Fella was long overdue for such an award or such an accomplishment. Um, and actually, he's doing them some service. So so just, just keep that in mind. Anyway, I think that's it for the updates. Uh, not a lot going on, of course. Um, I still have that thing coming up uh, on the 20th. Um, actually, I need to hit up uh, HR Records to, to see if they still want me to come to that after after reviewing uh hr records in the last episode i, I didn't say anything bad that I, I i think i kept it pretty pretty kosher and i and i think the only the only downside i ever even said about um hr records was the distance which that's not even a shot really i mean there's dc is it, it's mostly a fault of dc dc is a spread out city even though it's very small um it's very there are parts of it that are super inaccessible if you don't have a car so that's the only thing i meant by that anyway uh, i'm gonna move on to today's i was gonna do the tech fact of the day but i'm gonna hold that because it kind of ties in to the topic the vinyl recommendation also ties into the topic so maybe i'll take a quick break come back with the vinyl recommendation of the week and then of course the vinyl tech fact and then we get into the topic how about that so yeah i'll be right back after a quick water break. So today's vinyl recommendation is a huge one. Uh, this past week has been, a, it's gotten better for records. So I've been doing a lot of listening to a lot of new records that I've received in the mail. And of course, records that I grabbed at HR and records that I grabbed at Birdland. So I've been, uh, I've been listening to a lot of new music, a lot of music that I haven't heard before. So I'm actually really excited to kind of bring today's vinyl recommendation. Um, it's been one that I've actually known about and listened to numbers and scores of times um, before receiving the record today. Uh, but I actually got the record in the mail uh, yesterday and I played it on a turntable for the very first time. Thanks to, of course, Mr. Bongo, who, you know, I always shout out Mr. Bongo and Pure Pleasure. That's where I get most of my reissues from. Um, so I'll definitely shout them out again here. Mr. Bongo, you're a champ. You're the man or the woman, depending on whoever the fuck you actually are. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, the Rhino recommendation for this week is The Sojourner. The Sojourner is an album by a Strata East group called The Ensemble Al Salam. 
And this group, 1974, Strata East record. This is a deeply spiritual jazz record um, from from Strata East, from the Strata East jazz label, which I've talked super at length about. Um, my love for Strata East is uh, is a very very uh, deep and spiritual love, right? <laughs> um, so uh, the reissue is I recommend this as a must grab if you are a black jazz vinyl collector or uh, or a black person that collects vinyl of any type you need to grab this record it's one of my favorite vocal jazz recordings of all time and it's a must grab it's just a must grab uh, right now it'll still run you 50 bucks so even though you know it's it's not an og copy um it's still going to run you a little bit of money but of course you know you go to discogs and you see you know you you, you punch in this record the ensemble al salam and you'll see that you know, one, there are only three or four copies of this available right now in the OG format. And those records that are OG copies go for about 100 to 2 to 3 even $400 per record. So, you know, 50 bucks, what's 50 bucks versus 400 right? Um, it'll set you back a little bit, but, you know, you make the concession, you make the adjustment to your budget, like I had to do, or like I didn't do, just, you know, tagged it on the savings unfortunately um but you know you you do that and then you know you you move forward um I, i'm going to be discussing the resurgence of black jazz and all of the black jazz record labels including strata east in this episode that's kind of the topic of the of the day right um i said it at the top of the show so one of the things that i've noted is that with tribe records for example they're getting a whole catalog remake or a reissue, uh, thanks in part to Vinyl Me Please and a collab with uh, with Now Again. Now, this is awesome. I think that, you know, it's a little bit pricey uh, and, and I'm going to try to cherry pick through some records that I don't have uh, from Tribe Records and grab those records as opposed to, you know, grabbing the whole the whole catalog that's going to be reissued. But I think they're doing like a six or seven album uh, reissue which is freaking awesome i mean tribe records in the midwest um kind of held down the midwest spot as far as you know uh for black jazz for independent black jazz music uh for the most part um and so they they're well deserving of this um black jazz is kind of undergoing the same thing right now uh black jazz i've talked a lot about gene russell out of oakland california um this is a little bit more surprising though because you know i know tribe records uh, they, they have a relationship with egon and mad lib who kind of run now again records um so i i, I kind of sensed that there was going to be some some reissuing going on eventually of these records but with black jazz i think this is different because i, I honestly never imagined seeing any any black jazz records being reissued Black Jazz is some of the rarest records um, or, or, or yeah, or recordings you'll ever hear in the independent black jazz space. So it's it's very I'm happy. I'm very happy that these records are getting a do over um, in a reissue. However, it does it does beg the question of like why. And it also kind of begs the question of if it's devaluing. Um, these records in any way shape or form but we'll talk about that in a little bit right 
Um, you go to Black Jazz. You go. You go to Discogs and you search any any random Black Jazz um, record. Um, any anything from The Skipper at Home from Henry Franklin, uh, Doug Carn, uh, or uh, the Walter Bishop Jr. stuff that I talked about, or Gene Russell's own stuff. And you'll see just what I'm talking about. These records are averaged around $200, $300 a pop um, for these LPs. And so for them to get reissues, and uh, now these reissues are available for $30, $40, it's really awesome. It's really cool. And so me and a girlfriend today were debating about like what that means, you know, what, what that actually means for the records, uh, for the value of the labels, um, does that diminish any of that? And, or does it just really make it accessible for poor collectors like myself who honestly thought they were never going to see any of these records in their collection? How can we answer that, right? So, I mean, Strata East is the last one. Strata East is getting a lot of do-overs, a lot of reissues. Honestly, Strata East has been getting a lot of makeovers, a lot of reissues since I got into the collecting game. I noticed this way back in 2014 and 2013 with some of the re reissues that they that were happening with Strata East. And I, and I just thought it was, you know, I thought it was due to the popularity of these records. I mean, Strata East is probably, if I had to say which one was more popular out of these three record labels, I would say Strata East is more popular. Um, they are probably the, the biggest of the independent black jazz uh, labels. I would say that Black Jazz, the record label Black Jazz, is probably the most prestigious of the three. And then, of course, I would say Tribe is probably the most cult classic of the three. Um, so, yeah. So, these three aren't the only three, obviously. There are tons. I mean, Sun Ra had a record label that was artist-run. Um, and, and you know, there were tons of other artists who did their own thing for a little bit. Weldon Nirvana, I mentioned him before, Nod Lou, he did, you know, he did his own thing. Um, so it's, it's not something that's, you know, super rare, right? Like, I mean, there are tons of artists run labels, but these three, um, are three that I, I honestly, like I said, just never imagined, um, them getting a type of love in the reissue sector that they're getting but I'm all here for it, you know? Um, the only drawback, there are a few drawbacks that I see with this, and and stay with me with this, because as a poor collector myself, as a person who, you know, I don't make a lot of money, so, you know, I don't put a lot of money into this hobby, right? I put, uh, I put a, a, a lot of money comparatively or relatively into this hobby, but um, if you looked at, you know, overall what, what I make versus what I put into this, it's it's not a lot, right? And so it's it's strange because for me, I'm really here for getting a chance to own these records. But at what cost? At what cost am I? Am I paying really? Um, or are we paying really as a as a black community? Right. What are the costs that we're paying right now for for having these records reissued? These records have for a long time like the ensemble al salam um this record is one of the most rare records in strat in the strategies catalog so why is it now that i'm holding a copy of this super rarity and does that does that now decrease the value of of the record overall 
now that it's, you know, reissued and now a little bit more readily available? I think so, but I also think not. So, you know, on the one hand, again, as a poor collector, I'm all here for it, right? I'm all here for it because now I'm getting a chance to bulk up my collection with some real gems that I never thought I would own in my life. And these things will hopefully get passed down to, to my kids and, and their kids, et cetera, et cetera. But on the other hand, it's like, that's part of, that's part of the, just the, the nature of digging. It's part of the nature of collecting. There are going to be records that, you know, you're going to actually have to make real sacrifices to actually own. There are a few records that I'm actually saving up to own. You know, and, and a lot of these records are from these labels. Now, does it take away from it? Because, you know, the OGs are different from the reissues. And we're going to talk about that in the vinyl tech fact of the day today before I close out. But I mean, yeah, uh, it's it's a weird it's a weird conundrum for me. Right. So, uh, I mean, I'm happy on the one hand, very happy. Like you should have saw me playing this yesterday. I was just like a kid in the candy shop. Like I, I just couldn't believe this is a record where I've I play this record when I'm driving a lot. It's a, it's an amazing record to listen to at any time. It's like a prayer. I'm talking about the ensemble Al Salam. But now I'm putting it on a turntable, being able to turn the volume all the way up like I did this morning and last night and hear hear it in 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 3D as I like to say. It's different. And and I'm and I hate to say it, but I'm here for it, right? Like I've I've said that 20 times already, but I am here for it. The only real, real drawback I'm worried about with this, and this is a silly, there are a few silly ones, but uh, I am worried about counterfeit or bogus copies of the record being sold as OGs. Now, this can happen, especially on Discogs, now that we're in kind of a virtual world where, you know, people are even still collecting virtually. This, there's never a better time to be in the counterfeit market or the bogus, I'm going to rip you off market. I've talked about it a few times on this show, but I've gotten ripped off um, either whether it be directly or indirectly or, or on purpose. Um, I've gotten ripped off. I've gotten ripped off a few times on records. I've gotten records where they've gotten to me and finally they're not the they're not the record I paid for. You know, it's in the wrong sleeve or, you know, it's the wrong copy of a record. And, and the guy tells me, oh, oh, yeah, that happened by mistake. And it's like, OK, uh, I can kind of buy that. But I mean, not really. Right. So on Discogs, you can buy a record. And by the time you get it, you know, you pay, you know, some noob as you know, we don't call them that in the vinyl community. But in the gamer community, they call them noobs. So some noob, you know, buys a record from some seller. You know, that he thinks is an OG because the seller is saying it's an OG, but actually it's a reissue and it's worth actually like half the half the cost that, you know, the, the noob is paying for it. The noob gets it. And then there's real there's really no like there's really no remedy for that. He's just short it. I mean, of course, he can, you know, demand his money back, go to Discogs, complain. I don't know how that works. Right. I don't know if they're really good about that. I hope they are because, you know, they, they are essentially Amazon of the collecting world of the record collecting world but apart from that there's really no there's really no remedy that's just it the noob is asked out so today 
my getting technical fact of the day is how to tell an OG from a reissue. And what's the difference really? Now, let's start with what's the difference really. There is no real difference, especially if the reissue is done from the original tapes or something that's of the same quality. If it's done from the same quality, the reissue is going to play just as well as the OG. Now, people might, some audiophiles might disagree with that, but they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, really. They just like the fact that they pay a lot of money for OG copies of records, and that's cool. Keep doing you, and keep doing the high-fidelity stuff, too. That's silly. Whatever. Anyway, an OG is just an original. That's the original copy. That's back in 1974, the ensemble Al-Salim, or Al-Salam, sorry, um, that record, 1974, you got a copy of that record. One of the only ones that were pressed, whether it be a hundred thousand or a thousand or two thousand or a million in some cases, however many copies of that record were pressed, you got it when in that year that it came out. So it's an OG. Now, the reissue, how do you tell if something's a a reissue or an OG? Now, I have in my hand an original, my first and my only original copy of a Strata East record. It's beautiful. It's ugly and dusty and dirty, but it's absolutely beautiful. The album, The Liberation of the Contemporary Jazz Guitar. It's done by Bruce Johnson and Rodney Jones. Now, this record looks like an OG. Why does it look like an OG? It's dirty. The spine is it's it's worn, not like filthy, like muddy or anything. It's just you can tell it's been sitting on someone's shelf, bookcase, whatever. It's clearly an OG. And then I have, of course, in my hand, the ensemble Al Salam, the Sojourner. This record, I just got it. The spine, beautiful. So new, so crisp. But there are also some other things that you can tell. Serial numbers are a huge thing. You see a serial number on your record, you likely have a... Uh, a reissue now of course if you're buying contemporary music stuff from like 1980s forward that that's a whole nother thing right so it's the barcode that's not going to apply but if you're buying old music like you should ought to be you know trying to learn trying to get some schooling right if you're buying old music you're going to be able to tell because the older stuff 1980 and prior that stuff didn't have barcodes on it so if you see a barcode, so clear cut sign. There are some other ways too, though. The center label is another way to tell if you have a reissue or or a, an original. Um, there's the dead wax that you can examine. Apparently, um, all these come courtesy of vinylvirgins.com. I'll link the article in the episode so that you could take a look and see if you know maybe you got duped maybe you got a maybe you got a, a reissue that you paid an og price for anyway that's been my time thank you guys um all as always please feel free to let me know how what you think about the show give me some comments questions suggestions um feel free to drop that in the inbox at the record spinner podcast at gmail.com also you can dm me and tell me anything you uh would like to uh compliments or complaints whatever and you can do that at Rebirth of the Cool. And of course, you can check out the website, 
therecordspinner.com. It's been great talking to you guys. I hope that you guys learned a little bit of something and maybe that you guys go out and get some of those records that I was talking about. Some of those records are, like I said, you're, you're not going to be seeing them that cheap, this cheap, maybe for another 50 or 60 years, I would say. Maybe another, maybe another 20. Who knows? Anyway, that's my time, guys. Thank you, guys. Peace. Oh, 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 oh,